Hello, everyone. Um, like Joseph said, you, you guys have probably seen me at church. My wife and I have been coming, I guess, for about a year now. We just joined recently. And you would be surprised if you knew how many people were here at this church because of me. And that's because all my kids are here. So a lot of those young children that you've seen and those babies that you've seen um, are my grandchildren. And so anyway, I'm so thankful to be here tonight and for Josh and the other leaders to trust me to, for me just being here a short period of time, you know, to be able to come before you guys and to share what the Lord's put on my heart and, um, and preparing to study on this very important subject. And uh, I must say, it's really been a challenge. I do better uh, in the opportunities that I've had to teach. If you just give me a section of Scripture, then I like going verse by verse through that particular section. And I tend to do better myself personally, or at least I think I do when I teach in that manner. So when uh, Josh gave me this broad, complex subject of sanctification, I was like, okay. So I've been praying for a while and, and uh, really trying to prepare and just trusting that the Lord is going to uh, work through me tonight to hopefully help lay the groundwork in helping you guys understand um, this process of sanctification and, and what it is. Uh, it's, it's extremely important. So there's a lot of Scripture and um, I'm an old guy so I'm not great at technology, but I do have a PowerPoint that's got uh, all the scripture that we're going to be looking at tonight. And so hopefully you can follow along either with your Bible or, or the scripture that we're going to use should be there on the screens. Um, by the way, have you done an impression of me, Joseph, to these people? Okay. Well, don't do it while I'm in here. But afterwards, have you heard some of his impressions? They're pretty dang good, but don't do me, please. While I'm here, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I'm like, I don't talk like that, and I guess I do. Well, you know, the, the, to, to do a good impersonation, you exaggerate. And that's what makes it fun. Okay, well. It's All right, well. I guess there could be worse things that you could be doing. <laughs> so, again, like I said, tonight we're going to look at this subject which I believe is an extremely important subject um, that a lot of times I believe it's misunderstood and really I believe it's somewhat neglected in the church today. And, and it's the biblical doctrine or the biblical teaching of sanctification. So what is sanctification? What does it mean to be sanctified? So those are a few of the things that we're going to really try to lay the groundwork for to try to understand what it means um, to be sanctified. So when you look at the, um, the biblical word or the biblical meaning for sanctification um, in the New Testament, it's the word uh, hagi, hagismos, I guess. That's, that's pretty bad. But what it means is it means holiness. And to be sanctified means to be set apart, to be made holy 
and to be purified. So I've kind of, as I've been studying, I've kind of come up with some definitions that, that I felt like maybe I could help relate to you guys. And this is kind of what I've came, come up with when I've tried to really understand and try to get some insight from, from God's Word on what sanctification truly is. And I believe from my study and just uh, my walk as a believer that it's the process that a genuine believer in Jesus Christ, it's this, this process by which a genuine believer in Jesus Christ increasingly or progressively becomes more Christ-like in his character, his mindset, his vocabulary, the words that you speak, and your actions. So this is something, this process begins at the point of salvation when we're saved, and it continues until you go to be with the Lord or the Lord comes back. So that's why it's such an important subject because we know, and I know you guys have really good teachers, and y'all have learned about justification. So what does it mean? I'm going to put you guys on the spot. What does it mean when you were justified? What happened at that point in God's eyes? Anybody? Joseph, what happens whenever a, a person is justified? The father looks on he looks on the son. He made him who knew no sin. He said that we might have the righteousness of God in heaven. Amen. And so when you were saved in God's eyes, you know, you were justified. Your salvation is complete in Him. And so, at that point in time, you're justified. So, at that, after that point in time is, um, is when the Lord starts working in your life. And so, I got another question. Can anybody, you think anybody can be sanctified? Okay, I, hear, I see some nods, no. Um, is this a voluntary thing? Is this a voluntary experience that, that anyone can participate in? Can, can somebody be a Christian and kind of decide maybe to opt out on the sanctification part? <laughs> Probably not. Um, maybe you could just like trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, but maybe, you know, as far as this serving Him as Lord thing, we're just, we're not really... We don't want to go that far with it. We just want to trust Him as Savior. You know, we kind of laugh about that. A few of you are kind of smiling, but there are a lot of people that teach that. There are a lot of people that teach that you can be saved and you can accept Jesus Christ as Savior, but you don't have to serve Him as Lord. So I'm thankful that you guys are not under that kind of teaching here uh, at this church. You know, everything that I have heard from the pulpit and listening to Josh teach, and certainly I know Joseph and Brad and some of these other guys, you're getting good, solid teaching. And so, uh, sanctification is not an option. You know, this is something that occurs and is common in every believer's life. So, the first slide, if you would, let's look at the first section of Scripture. Um, who are the ones... 
Who are the ones that are going to be sanctified? Who are the ones that, that are going to be set apart? And, and who determines this? So let's, let's just look at this section of Scripture. Um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 5. Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the earth or the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. So it's kind of interesting how in this study the Lord has had me in Ephesians a great deal. I mean, you can be all over the place in the Bible, in the New Testament, and even in the Old Testament when you're talking about sanctification. But the way that the Lord has worked this out and what, what He's wanted me to do is to emphasize some very important things. And so when the Apostle Paul, in this section of Scripture, you know, the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Paul states very clearly here in these verses that the experience that a person has when he or she, it's, it's the true experience that a person has when he or she is truly born again. So if you're saved, this is what happened. This is what happened to you. Um, let's, let's go back and look at this. So God determined before the foundation of the world whom He would have mercy on and save. So you didn't determine to be saved. God determined before the foundation of the world that you would be saved. Those whom He saves, He sets apart and He makes holy. We became children of God, of God because God decided to adopt us as His children by Jesus Christ Himself. God decided that. This is not optional. Nor is it dependent really on what we do. He did this according to His will. So from a practical standpoint, when we start to talk about sanctification, and you guys really got to pay attention because this is kind of heavy duty. It really is. Um, but when we start to talk about sanctification, we know that God chose us and He predetermined before the foundation of the earth that He was going to choose you. But from a practical standpoint, for you, it begins at the moment that you were saved. That's when it begins. You were justified, but you were also set apart and you were sanctified. So the next section of Scripture, which I jumped ahead, uh, let's go to the next verses of Scripture in Ephesians. If we skip down in Ephesians 11 through 13 in the same chapter, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who works all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the Holy Spirit here, speaking through Paul, states really clearly here the experience that, that you have when you got saved. 
This is what happened. So let's just kind of break that down. Look at those verses and look at these truths that are contained in just those few verses. It says that you obtained an inheritance. That inheritance that you obtained is eternal life. So, in whom we also have obtained an inheritance. Predestined. Y'all have heard that term predestination. God predetermined to save you and to use you according to His purpose. That's what it says. Predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things after the counsel of His own will. If you guys can just grab a hold of that one verse right there, that God works all things. What does all include? It's everything. Your disappointments, your failures, your successes. God works all things after the counsel of His own will. So in other words, nothing can occur to you or nothing can happen to you that has not already been through the grid of what God allows and what disallows. That should give you peace and comfort in your heart knowing that God works all things after the counsel of His own will. Look at the Gospel message contained in these verses as we continue to read. It says, you heard the word of truth, the Gospel of your salvation. Somebody had to share the Gospel. God opened your ears and you heard the Gospel. in whom you also trusted after you heard the Word of truth. So you heard, and then what did you do? You trusted. You trusted that that this was true, that the Gospel was true. And then what did you do? You believed. So the process of your salvation came when you heard the Gospel, God opened your ears, He opened your eyes, you trusted that this was true, and you believed the Gospel was true. And then, at that point in time, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. God gave you His Spirit. This is so important. And this is why whenever you know, Josh asked me to speak on salvation, I mean, on sanctification, I was like, gosh. And I, as I kept studying, I was like, man, this is hard. I mean, this has really been a struggle for me. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not one to go read a bunch of commentaries and read a bunch of stuff from what other people, I, I feel like that's cheating. <laughs> you know, I mean, I do. I just feel like, oh man, I just, you know, God saved me. He's given me His Spirit. You know, teach me, Lord. And, and I'm just a redneck from Fairfield, you know, that got saved when he was 30. So I didn't get saved until I was 30. I'm 87 years old right now. I'm pretty old. But, but anyway... You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So, when a person is saved, that person receives the Spirit of God. God gives us His Spirit. That is so very important. Let's move to the next verse of Scripture here. John 1, 12 and 13. I love this. I love these verses right here. And by the way, this is the King James Version of the Bible. I'm not going to say I'm a King James only guy because y'all kicked me out of the church. But it's not that hard, y'all. 
just there's a couple of yees and whatever, but come on, it's it's good. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God or the children of God, even to them who believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So, this is the gospel. Moving to the next verse, John chapter 3. I know uh, here a few weeks ago that Josh preached in, uh, in John chapter 3. So this is uh, when, when Jesus was um, talking to Nicodemus in, in chapter 3. He was talking with Nicodemus and he, and he said, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what does it mean to be born again? It means that you're born of the Spirit. It means that God gave you His Spirit. The same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead now lives and dwells inside of the believer in Jesus Christ. And we're talking about genuine believers. Not someone who says that they're a believer, yet their behavior and their actions look just like the world. You guys are going to see that. You're going to see a lot of people that say, oh, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. Yeah. Well, it's so important that you understand what it truly means to be born again. And so even in Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, the next verse of Scripture here, I, I love this because... Ezekiel prophesied of this new birth that was going to occur in God's people and the ones whom He chose out of this world. And it says in Ezekiel 36 here, 26 and 27, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. The more I've been looking at this verse, I'm like, man, that verse 27, does that not describe sanctification? God put his spirit in you and causes you. See, who, who's, doing the, who's doing the causing here? God causes you to walk in His statutes. Does it say that it's voluntary that you're going to keep His Word and keep His judgments? It says, you shall. You know, this is something that God is doing in your life, in your heart, and in your mind. And so, these truths, I, I, I can't emphasize enough, you know, what happens when, when a person's saved. You know, I believe that this is so vital for us to understand in the Christian life. And I believe that there's a lot of people that do not really understand the magnitude of this truth that I'm talking about tonight. Of really having God's Spirit living and dwelling inside of you. I don't think people really think about that. And, but you know what? You have received, if you're born again, you have received the Spirit. 
of God. And that's why you're different. You're different because you have God's Spirit. And, and you know what? You're a new creation. That's what the Bible says. You're a new creation. When God gave you His Spirit, you became a new creation. When He puts His Spirit in you, He causes you to live differently. He's the one that causes you to live a life that is continually striving to obey His Word. And that's the thing. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. We all do. But you know what? The pattern in your life is going to indicate that you're different. You know, when you get around people that you know are true believers in Jesus Christ, I think that there's times where you just know that they're a believer. And I think the Bible, you know, talks about that our spirit, you know, the spirit bears witness one with another that we're the children of God. So I think that's such a cool thing when you get around somebody and you don't and you're not really around them very long, but you just kind of know that, man, they're a believer. And so other times, maybe it, it takes a while because, you know, it, maybe your life doesn't really look, you know, like maybe it should. But I want you to understand that it's God that the, is the one that's doing the work in you. And it's His Spirit that makes you different. It's the Spirit of God that is, that is moving and working in your life. Um, let's go to the next Scripture in Corinthians. This is in 1 Corinthians here, chapter 2. Now we have received not the Spirit of, of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. This, I believe, is an extremely important section of Scripture for you to understand. It's, it, it's talking about these verses kind of drawing or are emphasizing the same thing. And, and I'm going to kind of just point out a few of the truths that we can find in that, in that small section of Scripture. We need to really understand that we are God's children and we possess a spirit. That's what it says. Now we have received not the spirit that is of the world, but the spirit which is of God. So you have received the spirit that is of God. And as God's children, the Holy Spirit teaches us through God's Word how we ought to live for Christ. See, you remember when Christ, when He said, I, I go to prepare a place for you and where I, where I go you cannot go. But what did He say He was going to do? I'm going to send you the Comforter. I'm going to send you the Spirit of God. And just like Ezekiel, when we read just a few minutes ago, Ezekiel prophesied of this thing that was going to happen to you if you're in Christ. That God was going to give you His Spirit. And, and, and His Spirit was going to dwell inside of you. 
And, and the Spirit's going to teach us how we need to live for Christ. So without the Spirit of God, it is absolutely impossible to understand these things. And that's what verse 14 is really all about. When it says that a natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit, the Bible here is talking about a natural man is a man or a woman that does not have the Spirit of God. Okay? So if a person does not have the Spirit of God, they can pick this thing up. They can read it. You'll talk to me, man, I've read the Bible. Man, I read it five times, you know. But you know what? They can't understand it. Uh-oh. They can't understand it. Why? Because they don't have the Spirit to teach them what it means. The reason that I'm qualified to come up here and to speak to you guys about sanctification is because i got God's Spirit. It's not me. If anything that comes out of my mouth that, you know, that's just David, then, you know, that's my flesh. But you know what? I have God's Spirit. And so according to what God's Word says, that I have the Holy Spirit. And I'm able to discern what is of God and what's not of God. And guess what? You do too, if you have the Spirit of God. But a natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. Nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. So that's why you can tell somebody that's struggling, that's trying to maybe be a Christian. You don't try to be a Christian. You can't live the Christian life if you don't have God's Spirit. You must be born again. That cuts to the chase. Jesus cut to the chase with the teacher of Israel and said, No, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. So you can tell people, and I've told somebody before, I understand why you can't understand. I understand. You can't understand it because you haven't given your life to the Lord. You, you haven't repented of your sin and asked Christ to save you. Therefore, the Bible says you can't understand it unless you have God's Spirit. So, I know, I hope I'm not going too long. How are we doing on time? We okay? So let's move to the next section in Ephesians. Got it? What's that like? Another hour. Uh-oh. Everybody's going, oh, man. I, don't, I didn't give you all an outline because, you know, whenever, like Tim's, you know, he's been preaching for 45 minutes and he's on the second point and there's like 16 more and you're like, what the heck, man? But he kind of moves through those last ones pretty, pretty quick, doesn't he? <laughs> It took me 18 minutes to read through this, and I think I've, it's going to be longer than that. Um, so, Ephesians 1, 15 through 19. Um, in this section of Scripture, and I know my brother Joseph, man, he is just like me. He, we have the same birthday, by the way. Huh? Yeah, it is. But uh, he loves Ephesians like I love Ephesians, and he's memorized the book, hadn't he? Close to it? <laughs> what? Well, hey, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, and, and it was because somebody, Steve Jones prompted me, you know, and, and I should be doing it now, but I'm not. So, anyway, memorize Scripture, guys, in context. Chapters. It's awesome when you do. I bet Joseph right now, I know he can quote, a lot of it. 
And it just comes out sometimes even when, you know, it, it does. I mean, it just, just comes out. It becomes part of you, ingrained in you. But Paul knew after these verses of Scripture, you know, that we've just been through, he knew it was important to pray for the believers. And there's several prayers in Scripture, and I encourage you, like in those epistles, those prayers are awesome. And in this prayer right here, and this is just part of it, but he says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love to all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power. So God wants us to have a clear understanding of the magnitude of what it means to be in Christ. We should pray in this manner for one another. You should be praying for your friends Exactly. We, we know when we, read, when we read a prayer like this in the Bible or any prayer in the Bible, um, this is God's will. It's God's will. We don't have to, you know, you, what is God's will? Well, it's God's will that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and that you may know what is the hope of His calling. Okay? That's God's will. He wants you to know clearly what He has planned for you. This is, just not, this is not a mystery. He's revealed these things to us. And there's some very, very deep, deep things in God's Word that are awesome. I mean, when you're reading God's Word and He is in, in, enlightening you and bringing new truths and, and you say, oh man, that, you know, look, at, look at this and this goes along with this and, and God starts putting those things together and starts revealing those deep truths, I mean, it's awesome when that happens. It's maybe not as much fun when you're reading God's Word and you're convicted, you know, but that's important too because God convicts you because of the Spirit of God that's in you of your behavior, your attitudes, your sin and your life, and, and He convicts you and He's like, I want you to deal with this. That's not who you are. So the enlightening part Paul wanted us to have, he prayed for these believers that they would have a deep understanding of what the church is. And, and that's what the book of Ephesians does. It explains very clearly what happened, those who were predestined, those who were called, how they were saved. It's very important. So let's go to the next section of Scripture here. In Ephesians 2. I know you guys are familiar with these verses. And you, he has quickened or made alive, that's what that means, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation 
in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So what is the Holy Spirit doing here right after Paul finishes that prayer at the end of chapter 1? Then immediately in chapter 2, He's going to remind us of who we were. He's going to remind us of the condition that we were in. And so, throughout Scripture, you'll see that when you read the epistles. You'll see Peter, hey, I want to bring this to your remembrance. Because as Christians, sometimes we forget. I mean, sometimes we need to be reminded. Sometimes I hear somebody say something that's in God's Word. I'm like, yeah, I really needed to hear that. And so, so I think the Holy Spirit here in chapter 2 wanted to remind us after he talks about we were called before the foundation of the world, you know, after we heard the gospel and we were saved and God gave us His Spirit, and then Paul prays, you know, this prayer that we would be enlightened. And he's like, hey, remember who you were. You need to remember who you were. And so here's a few things that we can bring out from these few verses right here. Um, Christ made you alive. And before that, you were spiritually dead in your trespasses and sins. That's what it says. And you He has made alive. Who were dead in your trespasses and sins? So you were dead. You were spiritually dead in your trespasses and sins. You lived your life, and this is hard for people to receive, but it's the truth. And we need to be reminded of this. But you lived your life according to the ways of this world, and your and whether you recognized it or not, your father was the devil. I mean, that, that's really what it says. Whether you recognized it or not, when it says, "And wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air," that's Satan himself. So whether you recognized that your daddy was the devil, guess what? He was because you were not born a child of God. You were born into this world once from your parents, but God called you, remember? And He ordained that you were going to be saved before He even created the universe and decided that He was going to have mercy on you and save you. And so you had to be born again. We looked at a lot of Scripture that talks about being born again, but if you did things according to the course of this world, to the prince of the power of the air, you did things according to the God of this world, which is Satan himself. He controlled your thoughts and he controlled your actions. Whether you recognize it or not, that's what the Bible teaches. So your life was all about fulfilling the desires of your flesh and your mind and your nature was without God's Spirit. See, that's the thing. You remember we looked at We've talked just on some of those previous verses about a nat the natural man understands doesn't understand the things of the Spirit because the natural man doesn't have God's Spirit. So if, if you don't have God's Spirit, you cannot live for the Lord. So you had no power. You had no power over sin in your life and, and sin really controlled your life. It's not a pleasant thought, but it's important... Because it's in Scripture, 
And the Holy Spirit wants to remind us of who we were. But, you know, uh, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God saved you and He gave you a new life. I mean, that's the encouraging part. He made you alive. And He delivered you and brought you out of darkness and He placed you in the light. I mean, that's the good news. Just a few verses down, go to the next section here. Um, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's look at that real quick. God saved us by His grace. That word grace means undeserved favor. God saved you not because you deserved it, but really because you didn't deserve it. That's what grace is. Undeserved favor. He saved you by His grace. It had nothing to do, it had nothing to do with you. When you got saved, it, it really didn't have anything to do with you. The salvation is a gift from God. That's what it says. It's a gift. It's not of yourselves. It's not of any works that you did. Salvation is not earned by good works. And a lot of times you'll see, uh uh-oh, you'll see Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but people leave off 10. 10 is one of my favorite verses. Because when it says, for we are His workmanship, that means we're God's creation, we're God's work of art. He's fashioning us and changing us through this sanctification process that happens at the point of salvation and continues throughout our entire life until we go to be with the Lord or He comes back. So, we're His work of art created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. You know what that means? That the good works that you do Anything that you do, guess who laid all that out for you to walk in it? He's the one that ordained it. I love where it says ordained. Which God has before. I mean, think about God's sovereignty. That everything. You remember earlier, He works all things after the counsel of His own will. So He's ordained these good works for you to walk in. He's already got it laid out for you. He's given you His Spirit to enable you to be able to resist temptation and sin and to walk in Christ's ways, to do His Word, to meditate on the truth and do what He's called you to do. And this is not, I mean, this is, uh, this Christian life, I mean, I'm pretty sure when I read Scripture, I don't think the Apostle Paul, did he volunteer for it? I don't think he did. As a matter of fact, On that road to Damascus, I'm sure Josh, y'all probably been through it. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, you are a chosen vessel and you will suffer many things for my sake. You know, do you know you're going to suffer as a Christian? I mean, you know, if you don't like hearing that, probably there's lots of churches you can go to and just hear a bunch of fluff and a bunch of stuff about how awesome it is to, you know, and, and it is awesome. Don't get me wrong. It's just, you know, it, this, this life is not easy. But look at Jesus Christ who was beaten beyond recognition. 
totally innocent. And He died for you. And now His Spirit lives inside of you. You're in Christ, which is in the Father. And, and you've got God's Spirit. And so, you know what? Those who live godly shall suffer persecution. You probably won't hear that preached at some of these churches. Because you'd run a bunch of people off when you start saying, hey, you, you want to you live a godly life? Well, yeah, okay, well, do that and watch the persecution because the world hates you. You're not going to be friends with the world. But you know what? God can use you in those people's lives that He's calling because we don't know who they are. We don't know who those ones that He predestined before the foundation of the earth. So what do we do? We proclaim the Gospel to everyone. We proclaim it to everyone. And if they have ears to hear and eyes to see, then guess what? God will open their eyes. His, God's Spirit will draw those people. But guess what? He wants to use you to do it. Not just Josh or Joseph or any of the other leaders or Tim. No, He wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants your life to be an example of the transformation of this person who received Christ and now is a born-again believer and is going through this process of, of striving to be obedient to God's Word and, and to live for it. So this is serious business. And, and it's something that I hope it's encouraging to you. I mean, I'm not trying to freak you out. I told you this was going to be a pretty, uh, pretty heavy-duty subject. Josh didn't give me the easy stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, next time, okay. <clears throat> Alright, so, so let me just make a few points here. Um, we talked about how God ordained these good works for us to perform according to His purpose. So, as we live out our life as a believer, this is the path that God's laid forth. He's laid forth this path. And I want to emphasize this point because when we begin to look more specifically, uh, the sanctification of the believer, we need to remember that it is God's, that it's God working through us in the life changes that occur in our life, in the spiritual growth that, that occurs, in the genuine good works that we do are because God ordained these things to happen. And, and I want you to remember this because any Anything that you do in this life that, that is good is only prompted by the Holy Spirit because there's nothing good in us. But God can work through you. You're, you're either going to walk after the Spirit or you're going to walk in the flesh. So when the Bible talks about walking, it's talking about how you live your life. So you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to walk in the Spirit or you're going to walk in your flesh. And so when we get into sanctification, we're going to have to look and examine what, what the Scripture talks about uh, with those truths. You know, sanctification, it's much more than a list of, of like do's and don'ts. You know, it, it's, um, 
And so, is obedience required on our part? Absolutely it is. So, I mean, I can sit up here and tell you it's all God. It is. But you know what? He's called you and required you to be obedient. He's given you this plan in His Word. And you know how can you obey His Word if you don't know what His Word says? So, it's more to it than just coming on Wednesdays and Sundays and reading a few verses of Scripture. You've got to be in the Word of God because God's Word is what changes you and transforms you and, and builds you up and encourages you and gives you the strength to be able to do what God's called you to do. So we've established that God is the one who chose to have mercy on us and to save us. It was Him that opened your eyes and opened your ears and saved you by His grace. That was Him. And it was Him that convicted us of our sin and caused us to repent and ask Him to forgive us. And it's also Him that sanctifies us and set us apart. So when you got saved, your old self died and you became a child of God. I'm almost done, y'all. Let's look at the next verse of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when you got saved, you were given this new life. And old things are passed away. And uh, you've got this new life. And this new life is to live for the Lord. Let's look at uh, the next verse of Scripture in 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own, for you were bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, do you realize that you're a vessel of God? Do you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? I mean, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever noticed these verses of Scripture and, and thought about, okay, I'm saved, I got God's Spirit? Well, the Apostle Paul here to the church at Corinth is like, do you not realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And you know what? I mean, look, look at this. It says, in, in order for us to live for Christ, we've got to realize that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God, God's Spirit has set up a permanent residence in you. Have you ever thought about that? You no longer own your own house. God does. God owns you. I mean, that's what it says right here. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. As a matter of fact, that price cost God His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. That's what it cost Him. So your life was bought with the price. And that price is the blood of Jesus Christ. He owns you. And He owns your body. I mean, He owns you. 
this really, if you think about it, this should drastically affect the way that you live. If you think about that God owns your body, it's not your own body, it should, it should affect the way that you live. You know, we're, we're commanded to glorify God in our bodies. That's what it says there in verse 20. This is a command. This is not just a suggestion. We're commanded to glorify God in our bodies and in our spirit. And that means that we'll live a life after a manner that looks different. It's going to look different than the world, y'all. This is an extremely high calling, and, and it lasts for a, life, uh, a lifetime. But there is some good news you know, about this. And let's go to the next verse of Scripture here in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, real quickly, looking at these verses of Scriptures, you know, we need to be aware that sin still hinders us and causes us to stumble. And we're commanded to abstain from sinful behavior and we're called to run this race that's set before us. You know, all these verses of scriptures kind of tie together with the good works that God ordained. We have this race that's set before us. And so, you know, we are to run this race. But this is the thing Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. So he is the one uh, that went to the cross and died for you. And he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And He's constantly interceding for us. I mean, is that not awesome to think about that? That the author and the finisher of our faith, He's the one that's doing it. And now He's seated at the right hand of the Father, at the throne of God, and He's constantly, as that high priest, intercessing for you and me. This is a big deal, y'all. I mean, this is, this is a really big deal. What's happened to you if you're saved and you're in Christ? This is serious business. It's not just something that you signed up for and that you can opt out of. No, this is something that God has called you to live for Him. God's going to complete that work that He started in us. Let's look at the next verse. Philippians 1.6 being confident of this very thing that He which has began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So, rest in that. He that began a good work in you, He that, remember, that works all things after the counsel of His own will. Remember way back at the beginning of this, and I know it's been long. I'm finishing up. But you know what? He that began that work in you, He's going to complete it. So you're going to be no more or no less than what God intended you to be since before the foundation of the earth. So rest in that. The last verse of Scripture, the words of our Lord Jesus. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me 
and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Let's pray, y'all. Dear gracious Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have paid the price in full. We thank you, Lord, that you are the vine and we are the branches. And as you've reminded us here, Lord, we can do nothing apart from you. I am so thankful, Lord, that we abide in you because your spirit abides in us, that you've given us your spirit. And I pray, Lord Jesus, tonight that you would help the ones that are here to truly understand the magnitude of what it means to be your child and how you've set us apart and how, Lord, you have worked all this out and that we shouldn't be apprehensive or we shouldn't be worried, but instead, Lord, you give us your spirit, you give us peace, you give us joy unspeakable, your word says. So, God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would comfort the ones that are here, that, Lord, you would give us a new uh, outlook towards our walk with you, that we would understand that it is you working through us, yet, Lord, you do require obedience. So, God, I pray that you would help give each of these students here, myself, the adults, a hunger and a thirst for your word like we've never had it before, Lord, and that you would just grow us up in you and build, build us up, Lord, that we might bring honor and glory to you, Lord. And Father, I also pray that if there's any here, Lord, that maybe they have not really fully understood what it truly means to be born again, that maybe by the working and the power of your Holy Spirit that you might draw them and that they may see, Lord, that they do not have your Spirit and that they may repent and turn from their sin, Lord, and trust in the Gospel. They've heard the Gospel tonight, Lord. Your Word is truth. And God, we know that You are going to save all that you, all that the Father gave You, Lord. And so, Lord, I just thank You for that. I thank You for the comfort of Your truth. And we just give You praise and honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.